Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer-Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring modern drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Did you get to be alone? Was it all that you were looking for? Did you ever find a home? Or did you lie awake and dream something more? I'm David Frangioni, and today joining Billy Amendola and me is Nir Z, an amazing drummer. You know him. You've heard him a million times. He graced the cover of Modern Drummer, and uh, he has a lot to share with everyone. There it is, Billy. I want to show. Um, I want to show everybody that beautiful cover. He's such a good-looking dude, you know. Yes, used to be younger. <laughs> no, that hey, cover was recent. This is only uh, 2019. Yeah, exactly. Near, welcome. So great to have you here today. Joining us from Nashville, is it? Franklin, Tennessee. Close enough. Franklin, Twenty minutes. Yeah. Twenty minutes away from Nashville. Yeah. You know it. I know. I know Franklin well, 
and uh, it's oh, the Nashville scene. So welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Like everybody else, you know, day by day during these crazy times. And um, so far, so good. Cannot complain. You um, really haven't slowed down. I mean, because you you can record uh, at home and you're, you're a very, uh, you know, integrated setup. Tell us what you've been doing during the pandemic to adjust to these times and keep your drumming at, you know, top shelf and also technologically cutting edge. Sure, sure. You know, at the beginning, everybody were in a limbo. I mean, we all got lost. If you guys remember the very first two months, if you like. Um, so everything really stopped. All the sessions we did in town, the studios were closing down and so on and so on. And then um, all of a sudden we start doing more remotely, you know, remote sessions. As you can see behind me, this is my, my drum cave, I call it. This is my studio. This is where I do all the remote recording. And what happened that um, even producers and people that are usually going to the studio with them and we cut it all together, live band, you know, Billy actually witnessed one of those sessions. Um, even some of those guys start reaching out and like, listen, I need to record this music. I need drums. So therefore we're going to do it remotely. So for the first few months of the pandemic, I got busier in my own studio and then they start opening up the studios and slowly we start going back into town and basically do those sessions like we always do, but wearing masks which is a big challenge. I'm sure every drummer out there can imagine, you know, playing a drum kit, playing the drums, wearing a mask uh, wasn't easy, still not easy. So now it's the combination of the two really, you know, we do some in town, social distance. Uh, many times we will try to kind of each will stay in his own station, if you like, you know, usually we, you walk to the control room and you listen back and so on. So you kind of stay in your own station with the headphones and you listen, communicate via talkback, obviously, and get the session done. But overall, we've been very lucky. I mean, compared to other places, New York, California, I think Nashville been pretty lucky of keeping things together, you know, and keep it rolling. Wow, that's amazing. So you've actually been back in the studio that much of the time. That's yeah, I really mean, not, I mean, it wasn't as busy as it used to be, you know, but for example, yes, yesterday I did a session in town. We did one session. We cut two songs. We were four musicians, producer, artist, engineer. Um, so we still do those. And everybody's socially distanced, and it works. Everybody's socially distanced, it works. I mean, few guys definitely got it. We had some sessions got canceled. Some of the record labels uh, require the corona test. So we've been tested uh, a few times already. You know, I had a, a medical person came in here about two weeks ago to test me. Eventually, everybody got tested, but the artist got the coronavirus. So we had to postpone the record all over again. So, wow. you know, you're in the mercy, you know, it's almost like a Russian roulette. You know, you, 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 you're in the mercy of everybody being careful and everybody keeping social distance. But, you know, 
there's no guarantee, as you guys know. I mean, you guys been in it like everybody else. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, sure. it, it's, it's rough times. And, uh, and the thing about Nashville that, that attracted so many people, myself included, to, to, the, Nashville was the only place where there still was a lot of live recording going on. I remember when I came, when I was in Nashville and you invited me uh, to the session and I came down, I mean, sure. everybody was playing in the room like old school. I felt like I, I went back into time, you know, and yes. that's what I always loved about the Nashville scene because, you know, growing up, I was a rock funk guy. I never was really into country. I didn't, I didn't like country music. And then right. I started as the years later on, now maybe for the last 10 years, I really, really, because of drummers like yourself and Rich Redmond and so many other guys who brought this little bit of a, a pop rock feel into all of that stuff. Sure, I, sure. Know, so I love the fact that everybody was together. So that must be hurting a lot of people because here in New oh. York, we stopped that a long time ago. Everybody was used to recording remotely, unfortunately, because all the studios closed down and nobody, you know, it's all programmed. Everybody's just sending tracks around. So oh, Nashville yeah. had, had a great thing going. Oh, 100%. And as you know, Billy, I mean, I lived in New York. I mean, I still consider New York a second home. And it really, I remember I had a conversation with one of my friends one time trying to recall the last four years or so in New York City. And most of the sessions I've done, it would be maybe be one more person, usually a bass player. So we might cut rhythm section together, but the live band in the studio playing all together, it's something that stopped long, long time ago. Yeah. Especially in the mainstream music. Let's right. assume that, you know, the jazz, you know, jazz guys, are, you know, still going in and, and track together because it's, it's a kind of, it's a whole different uh, chemistry and type of music that require that. But definitely Nashville kept that thing going for a long, long time. And honestly, I hope they will continue to do so. I think it will. You know? let's, go, let's go back a little bit now. Let's give um, for people, for our younger generation, for some, for some people that might not be familiar. You were brought up in, 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 and raised in Israel. And then in the Jerusalem, 90s, yeah, 90s, you moved to New York. Correct. And, and then when you got to New York, um, I think one of the first sessions you did when you got to New York was John Mayer's debut album. Is that correct? No, actually, I've done quite a lot before. The, you're talking Room for Squares. You're talking yeah, John Mayer, Room, room for yeah. Squares. Yeah, but there were a few things happened long before that record I would, that I think kind of led me into that. You know, to name one, um, Alana Davis. She's one of my favorite artists ever. Um, I actually cut a record with her probably, man, I was a kid. I was like 96 or something like that. Um, we Love and it. Pride. That was the yes. track, Love and, Love and Pride. Love and Pride, that's from that record, actually. Yes, yes. Um, so a bunch of different things that eventually led me to this project with John Mayer. Um, and we just got lucky that this record really, I mean, Alana's record, this, this particular record became um, one of those 
under the radar record, a lot of musicians really love this record. I'm still surprised to find out how many musicians love this record, just as just being a listener, you know, some good songs, good music. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, believe it or not, when I was in the studio with John Mayer, he had this record played on his laptop at the time. Mm, wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, that's yeah, early 90s, the end of 92, for, to be exact, I moved to New York and, you know, did like what everybody did. And, and you know, I mean, New York was unbelievable at the time. I mean, yeah, at one time, the sessions, I mean, in, in, and even everything. before then, the amount every, of studios and things going on was just amazing. It's electric. Not, and you know what? Not only the studio, I mean, just hanging out on Bleecker Street and the people you get to jam with. Right. You know, you go out there and, and you guys, I don't need to tell you, you both know. I mean, you go into the bitter end, you go into any of those clubs and, and hey, it's freaking Iron Bullock killing it on stage and you can jam with him. Just to name one. I mean, you know, there's so many great, there was a, a, a great mix of musicians from all generations, I would say, and all genres in the 90s that's the way i that was my view about new york city at the time you know that was a just a, a very cool blend between everybody you know studios and live and you played uh, on that john mayer record one track that stands out that, that um i know me and you have spoke about before is the track neon neon was one of the fun ones actually yeah. It's actually, it's weird. It was actually one of the easy ones. You know, it's funny when people listening, people listen to records and they dig into those records and they become familiar with some of those songs. Uh, many times you, you try to imagine, okay, what was the process, right? To get to the track, to get it right. This one actually was one of those songs which kind of happened naturally for us we kind of you know i mean his guitar lick his guitar groove kind of was very obvious for the bass player and myself to what is it we need to do that's what i wanted to ask who's playing do you remember who played oh, bass on it? of course david labayer david labayer the, the bass Killer and drums are, the bass and drums and his guitar that, that that track is so smooth and funky and it's you know what a groove. I, I appreciate it. And it was really one of those chemistries that there was no brainer. You know, we were down on um, Loho Studios. Remember that? Down the Lower East Side? Yep. Um, man, I'm trying to remember the address. Somewhere off uh, Houston and the Lancy or one of those. Yeah, down Alphabet City area. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was a great studio, and we really just played live together. You know, we just kind of played together, worked the song. The only thing that came up, really, for what I can remember, because at the time when he came out, I mean, people didn't know who he was yet. I mean, he started to create some kind of buzz. Um, I remember the label and the people who kind of overlooked the whole thing. They didn't want it to be like another Dave Matthews band kind of thing. Right. 
because it kind of, you know, if you listen to this material, it kind of, it's easy to go this direction. Yeah. Not that we, I'm not this kind of player, but the overall thing could kind of lead us to this, you know, uh, zone. Well, interestingly, um, the tighter the band would sound, the more Dave Matthews it might sound. So you actually have to keep it like, how do you keep the solo artist out front, but make it sound so good? And you nailed that, Nir. Uh, I appreciate it. I think this one was no brainer. It was just the right chemistry and we just played together. We were comfortable. And do you know, guys, that might sound funny to you. There is one song on the record that if you listen to this song, because it, it was one of his biggest hits as far as radio, mainstream radio, I think it's a song called uh, Your Body is a Wonderland. Oh my God. Great. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah, great. That that's a great that song put him on the map. Once he, once that once that yeah. song hit the top ten, it was like okay, everybody knew who John Mayer was. Well, that song's bigger than John Mayer. That song's become an iconic song. I mean, that's yes. just like what a song. That, from the lyrics to the playing, I mean, tell us about. But, but guess what? That's the one who took us the longest, and you know why? <laughs> and 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 you know what? If you listen to it. Each and every one of you guys will sit behind the drum kit and you can play it one hand. It's just a straight because we went in so many different directions, you know, and we start make it more and more and more and more simple. And I believe it was like two or three a.m. Okay, that we finally I remember sitting literally hanging on my knee. If you listen to the song, it's on the right symbol, the entire song almost. What you usually play on the hi-hat and just play a backbeat right. riding on the hat. Right, right. I kind of hang on the ride and I kind of, it just kind of stuck there because honestly, I was so tired. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? And But it kind of kept it. It just got into this cruise, you know, when you drive on the right lane and you just cruise. And it's like, what the hell? It feels comfortable. It, it opened the, right... the song up there. Like, because you stayed on the ride, it almost it, was like you were happened. in the chorus at the beginning, but you weren't really in the chorus. That's exactly it. But, you know, honestly... And it was smooth. Not... It was smooth. I mean, yeah. well, that, that's you in general. Your, 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 your touch and your feel is so smooth. I mean, I've I seen, I've been, I, I stood next to you when you hit the drums and everything. You have such a beautiful, beautiful feel. Thank you. Uh, on Thank anything, you. basically on anything that you play. So that's a good, that's a good analogy of that though, because I could see being tired and come on like, like let's get this done. And then, and, and I think that's what made it so relaxed for you and just. For everybody, honestly, I, I don't think I was the only guy who felt this way because it really was a very long day. You know, and by the way, you know, those times in New York, now we're doing those sessions, you know, it's 10 to 1, 2 to 5, 6 to 9 p.m., like 9 p.m. consider, oh, my God, we're talking the time back in New York. Come on, bro. We used to stay in the studio to 4, 5 a.m. We didn't start know. till 11, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> it started at 11 p.m. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and those are the moments sometimes when you... Let's put it this way, you know, when you're so tired or you don't feel well physically, even if you're a little bit sick, you almost allow yourself, you give yourself to ex the excuse not to be perfect. 
you know, and, and sometimes when you let go and you let it happen, this is when the magic happens. Right. <laughs> no, ner because, no, no nerves or stress. You, 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 exactly. You just kinda, you and everybody was playing that. Did you guys play that particular song down live and those, and that was like the take across the band? All, all for, for what I can remember and actually speaking to the mix engineer in one point, Jack Joseph Puig, all caped authentically as we played as a trio. So the entire record being played as a trio. And later on, I believe the, the producer, John Alesia, add some keys here and there. But when you really listen to it, it's a trio record. Right. Most of it, you know, the vibe is just mainly, obviously his guitar playing is so amazing. And along with the songs, the way he sings. So you didn't really need much to add to it. And then live, it was great to go out and play that stuff live because it pretty much sounded the same. Pretty much, yeah. I've done few shows. I mean, I was at the time where things really start happening to me in the session world in New York. So I was not ready to go on the road, to be honest with you. I, it was a tough call. And um, so what I did, I mean, for the first year after the record came out, what they did, they went out there and just played as a duo, just the bass player and John. And when they had a bigger show, they would get me there. We never rehearsed. So I kind of listened to the record on, on the airplane. You know, we get into a sound check and we kind of play the songs from, you know, memorizing the record. Right. And it wasn't a big deal because we didn't try to change it in any way. I mean, later on, of course, he developed and he changed a lot of things. And But at that time... That's the way we did it. Now, uh, am I mistaken? Was Jerry Murata on a couple of those tracks? Was Jerry on that Jerry, Jerry played on one song called Three by Five. Okay. And this is actually something be cut later on, which a beautiful song, and he played a beautiful brush thing on it. I actually went out, if I'm not mistaken, believe it or not, I went out with Billy Squire to do some shows. So I wasn't even in town. Wow. They actually finished the record. And then I believe John wrote this song. And they loved the song. The label wanted him to record it and add it to the, to the, to the record. And I think it was a great pick. I think Jerry Moretta was the right guy to, to play that song. Cool. Yeah, that, that 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 was. I mean, that put that put him on the map as well. Now, talking about so many hit records, you play on one of um, one of my favorite records that that you know is the Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani. Um, Blake and Gwen. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, you've been playing with Blake. You play on mostly everything on Blake's record, correct? I think the last three or four records, I played drums and percussion i do some programming as well and all that kind of you know that kind of stuff yeah yeah so nobody but you i mean that was a number one record um yeah your your feel on that is just inc incredible and i appreciate that i yeah. appreciate that 
And then but, now, and and you just recorded a new song with him, right? Uh, Minimum wage. Is that his? He has a new this song. This one, this one just came out. This this one just came out. We cut it. I mean, not long ago, but and I can't even tell you when. I think pretty much after we cut the one he did with Gwen Stefani. So with Blake, it's never like we never really went to the studio and did like few days and cut the entire record. You know, he picked three, four songs he really loved. And we go in for a couple of days. We cut those, you know, they mix them. They release some of it. And then they collect two, three, four more songs. And we go in again. We're about to do it in February. Uh, which hopefully everybody will be corona-free because this been, you know, right. it's been postponed. Yeah. Every, just the way it is, you know. And and keeping on in, in with those hit records, um, you you've played on so many hit records now. It's it's incredible. Um, and I want to go back a little bit too, but I want to finish with the records. Uh, Speechless, Dan and Shay. I mean, yeah. you played on most of that album, right? I played all that. Yeah, all those uh, all the records. I mean, they too. won all the awards this year. I mean, they yeah. they they're yeah. great, great. I don't know who writes the songs. That's the thing about Nashville. Great, I know there's songwriting teams and. You know, uh, sometimes in out of all, but the songs themselves, I mean, you yeah. could see why they get to, num to number one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is those songs that, you know, to me, it's always there is the songs that, you know, are very current songs, meaning it's perfect for this time and the style going on on the radio. And then there is those songs where those are timeless songs. What I mean by that, I think that if you're going to listen to Speechless in 10 years from now, same impact. same impact. Why? Because it's just a good song to begin with. Right. You know, it's a good song. And I think the production, the way they approach, and that thinks to... Scott Hendricks, the producer, and Dan. By the way, Dan has a big part in the production. Which one is Dan? Is he the one that Dan, has long? Dan is the guy with the longer, the longer hair now. Yeah, yes, now he's turning. Yes. Yeah, he grew his hair really long. Yeah, he grew his hair. Yes, yes. Even with Dan, I just did for some stuff for him in my studio during the pandemic. Nice, nice. You know? No, super talented guys, and and yeah, like super. You say, yeah, no, they're, super. they're they're amazing. And Scooter Braun is their manager, and he's you yeah. know he's a powerhouse. So the whole the whole machine is uh is he's incredible. Perfect. He's but perfect. I will no, speaking and, and back to by the way, just to be fair, and Shay, I gotta tell you, I witnessed this guy like walking into the studio 10 a.m. and you know, 10 a.m. it's too early to sing. Right. But you know, man, this kid, he stands there and he sings his butt off. 10, 11 a.m., he opened his mouth and, and it's like almost like, oh my God, you know? So like you said, it's just a perfect combination. Now, when you're, when you're cutting these, these tracks, are you hearing the vocal? Always. That, see, that to me, that... I always like that myself because always, always, you, always. That's always. why you have that feel and you put just the right, just the right little touch in the right spot because you're going with the lyrics. It's all about the song. When you play, this is what I'm sharing with every drummer I ever speak to. Okay. Every musician in general, 
but especially drums because you're thinking, okay, I'm the rhythm, I'm the clock, but there is the next stage. You gotta, deep, you gotta dig deeper than that. So A, I need to hear, I'm okay not hearing the rest of the band and I need to hear the vocals, okay? I can tell you when people sending me tracks over here and I get tracks from all over. And you know, sometimes somebody will send you a track and they kind of humming into a microphone. There is sort of some song going on or it's going to be a song. It's like, oh man, just do your thing. Right. I'm like, no, you want me to do my thing. Send me the song. Exactly. I need the vocals. I need the vocals with meaning, you know, not just, you know, some kind of guide or, yeah, I mean, obviously we can play because we, we've done it long enough. You can make it work. Right. To achieve, to achieve this extra thing, it's all about the song and you gotta listen to the song and more than that, learn what the song is all about. Exactly, and, and you're giving the feel. That's what makes me like a lot of those songs automatically is because yes it's a great song but now it just it hugs you it feels good and that's yeah. where your beautiful touch and you know what and you I, do i appreciate and you know my friend i will refer to something that stuck with me related to that and i thought that was one of the most beautiful things i ever read was in your magazine years ago maybe you'll be able to tell me when and who did it it was about jim Kirtner. Okay, Jim Keltner, the legendary Jim Keltner. And I believe either you or whoever did it interviewed different producers who worked with him over the years. And one of them said the story, he said, you know, we did this day in the studio and the last song we cut that day was a very sad song. And he said, I was the first one to show up in the studio the day after. And the first thing I always do, I push the faders, the drum faders up, right? To kind of take a listen from yesterday. And he said, and I put those drum tracks up of Jim Keltner and they sounded so sad. And I thought that was like the most amazing compliment and achievement for a drummer Mention him playing on this sad song a day before and showing up the day after and just listening to the drums and like, man, they sounded so sad. Yeah, well, Jim, Jim, <laughs> told, me a, Jim told me a great story about when he played on uh, Bob Dylan's Knocking on Heaven's Door. He actually was crying as he was playing that song. There you go. There you go. And of yep. course, it does happen to you when you play a song it's the feel. It, it, drum it's is, the feel, and and it gives feel. you. It takes you somewhere. You know, it can yes. trigger. It can trigger. Maybe no one else will know in the room in real time, but you know, it can be a love song or some life experience song that will trigger something you went through. And in real time, it really does affect your playing. Yep, absolutely. Uh, now let's change. Let, let's switch it around. A lot of people sure. don't don't re don't probably remember. I, I kind of forgot myself until uh, Mike Dawson did your last cover story, which was fantastic. I'm gonna plug it because I want everybody who oh. don't, never read it to read it. <laughs> but um, 
you were in Genesis. I mean, you 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 took Crazy. over in Genesis for Phil Collins. Let's yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. That's uh, that's <laughs> still like a. It's still like a surreal, crazy, how this thing happened. You know, this happened those first few years in New York. My goal, I don't know if we ever talked about it. My goal was to be in a band. And I got lucky to join this band that the name of the band was The Hidden Persuaders at the time. And they were a great band and we played all over town, you know, and we've met with all the record labels and all that, you know, this old same old story. In one point, we got a publishing deal with Hit and Run Music, mm. which owned by Tony Smith, which is the manager for Genesis and Phil Collins. That's right. So, I know Tony. That's right. He's you been know with them Tony? forever. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and long story short, you know, we cut lots of EPs and records and this and that. And almost, always, almost, we about to hit the record deal. And, you know, but at the same time, I expand and I did a session here, a session there and got to know more musicians. And I hang in, hang in with the band because I wanted this to happen. And then... One of those, I can't even remember what was the event. We did a big showcase. What's the big room on uh, 52nd Street? Was SIR up there? Yeah, the SIR eight. has a big sound stage. Right, the big stage room. And all those industry people and uh, a lot of people coming down to see us. And one of them is Tony Smith is in town. And he gets to see the show. And he liked the show. We had a good night, you know. He picked up some of the CDs we did, even though, you know, we signed to his company, his publishing. And the rest is history. Like three or four months later, I'm getting a call from the office in New York. And the guy like simply goes, will you be okay to fly to Surrey, England to audition for Genesis? What kind of question is that? I mean, like where this came from? I swear, Billy, it's like, that was so odd. And my first response was literally, I mean, are you joking with me? What is that all about? What is this thing? You know? He goes, well, uh, Tony, when he saw you with the band, he really liked you. And they going through a new phase. And he told... Mike and uh, Waterford and Banks about you and they would like you to go down there and audition. So long story short, before you know it, I find myself on British Airways to England and I find myself in their studio. And you're in Genesis. <laughs> and, and it's not even just, so now it's, but the audition for your information, that was a very, different kind of audition because what it was basically they had any whatever your setup is and basically they were sitting in the control room and they were just playing tracks and just play along with it we're just going to record you and it ended up being the beginning of the recording for this album called calling all stations right yep you know so 
they did it with me. They did it with a bunch of other guys. And we end up actually, I end up playing seven and a half tracks on the record. And Nick DiVagello end up playing three and a half tracks. The one track, they actually, he started it and I ended it. Wow, that's great. You know, because when they have those songs and then instrumental, and, uh, so. Like Steely Dan used to do a lot, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is really the short story. And the next thing was, would you go on the road with us? You know, and I, of course I was, yeah, let me think about it. You know, of course, <laughs> you know. Well, let me let me check my schedule. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was cool, you know, a lot of drum fields. And the, uh, the, the, the the track that 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 I know that you're on, the dividing line, I think it's called the dividing yeah, line. Yeah. I mean, you would think it's Phil Collins on there. Now, was that intention intentional or that just this is like a gem. You, just, you heard this is that? A gem. And, yeah, so you heard that, right? And it's that's the audition, what end up on the record really that's like my audition i just um and i mean i jammed on it for a few hours to to really come up with you know i had this vision and i got lucky to be able to execute it they liked the idea you know it's 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 very musical the toms on that song it's it's, it's, it's very phil collins i mean it, you definitely it is a, it is a big big phil collins influence that i'm very proud of you know because he's one of the greatest ever you know uh what's really interesting that if you speak to any drummer who ever recorded in this very room in their room it's a very small room by the way for your information it, it sounds, you know, when you listen to his drums, they sound huge, but because of the shape of the room and the materials around the room, like the back wall, it's all stone hmm. and it's like a concrete floor and there is a glass. In. So honestly, it doesn't matter what drum kit you put in there. It sounds Phil Collins. It just has that natural gated sound and cracky sound you know, that you, you get that Phil Collins sound, even if you're wow. not playing concert on. played a lot of rock stuff see because you're, you're known now of course because you're playing you're in nashville and and what made you move to nashville because you moved when you moved to nashville from new york i know new york was getting a little slow but you moved to nashville right before everybody left and went to nashville so yeah. your timing uh how, how did that come about did, like, what, like 
Did, so did great, you... good question. Because some people don't know, I it wasn't like one day I stood, I packed my stuff and moved to Nashville. What happened? That I got my first phone call, probably two thousand five or six. I was uh, I got a phone call from pretty big producer down here. They wanted to bring me down here to play on a record. And I came down, that was my very first trip to Nashville. Billy, I had no clue. I knew nothing about Nashville. It was like being in a movie for me. You know? Right, yeah. And it was very different. It's not like, is it now? You know, it was much more conservative. It was much more, you know. It was a close-knit community. They didn't, allow, they didn't allow outside people. No, it just, the artist wanted me to play his name is Rick Ackerby, great artist. He was on Warner. And uh, I think, you know, and I got to give a credit to the John Mayer record. You know, this record still was kind of pumping everywhere. And um, he's the one who asked for me. Long story short, I arrived here, find myself with the best guys in the studio. You know, just to name a few, you know, I, I get to meet Dan Dogmore, the legendary Dan Dogmore on steel, Glenn Wolf on bass, Reggie Young, rest in peace. Reggie Young, wow. one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the very first experience was really top notch musician uh, studio musicians in nashville and we just had a great time we had a great chemistry and then really got me confused because i remember like we talked you know playing live together and there is a band we play live together <laughs> you know simple as that but everyone's such a great musician that because that, that's not easy you know you can get a bunch of guys they could be great live but then you try to get them to record live in the studio and it's a nightmare. It's a different animal. It's a different story. You know it. We all know it. It's just a different animal. It, I almost, it's it just two different experiences. And later on, what happened? I did this record. Uh, you know, the bass player, Glenn, will tell about me to another producer and another guy. And all of a sudden, I start getting phone calls from Nashville. It wasn't on a monthly basis, but every few months I'll get a phone call. And I was very lucky that each and every one of those projects were with an amazing group of musicians, you know. Um, and then New York is going, as you know. Yep. Unfortunately, we we having our second child, you know, and I'm start thinking, okay, what's next? Be honest with you, because I quickly realized that with everything went down in New York City, I will get to a point where I have to find a, a, a road gig to support my family also. You know, even though and I was a busy guy in New York, relatively, but it got to a point where it was just, you know, because every week they close another recording studio. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it, yeah it, it was, it was sad. It was, you know, so 
And then so, we, we well, did the move. You, so 2010, 2010, we said, that's it. We're moving to, we're moving to Nashville and the rest is history. Yeah. And you know what, but to credit to you, you did your job. They, they, the John Mayer, definitely. That was a great audition because that's, you know, yeah. even live when people play live, they say, Oh, how did you get that gig? Well, yeah, right. so-and-so happened to be, you know, John Blackwell got the gig with Justin Timberlake because he used to go see Prince, you know, so right. same thing in the studio. You're playing on all these hit records and, and now people know that you can do it and your personality, of course, you're a lovable guy. Um, I appreciate so that. Wants you, you know, everybody wants you around and that's important, as you know, in the studio, people want, have to want to be around you. You know, you could be the greatest player in the world and if you're a pain in the ass, you're not oh, going to yeah. And, and you know what, let's be honest, we all have our moments, you know, we all humans and we all have our moments and you get to work with, um, I always said, it's no, it's never like, oh, it's not always a smooth ride, if you like, you know, you got to be very much aware of the surrounding and the people you get to work with, especially now. And why is that? Because you have a lot of new blood, new producers, young producers. And they want to experience, to experience the live band. They want to experience the classic way of making a record. But guess what? All they know, it's virtual instruments. All they know, it's computer. You know, it, it, that's how they know how to make music. Right. And you need to be aware of that. And you, you need to be very sensitive of not putting them on the spot and kind of help them understand the difference between an example, between a real drum kit recorded in the studio versus, you know, a virtual drum software. Right. It's a completely different thing. And I know because I actually created some of those devils, <laughs> you know, like no, I know. I, I, and he's a drummer and all that stuff. You did a lot of programming and playing on top because that, that was the job. That's what the, 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 that record oh, yeah. called for. That's what the producer wanted.
thank you everybody for listening to part one of near z's podcast so much to learn from listen to this several times everyone and go back and stay tuned and check out part two Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.